Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And today, Brandon, we are breaking, we are breaking all the rules, I guess, by talking about the rules. How are we breaking rules by talking about the rules? This isn't one of the rules I'm familiar with. Like this is this is like a thing, right? You you could you could conform, but then not be a conformist, right? So it's like neoconformatism, and then within that, you break the rules. So we could shatter things as we talk about all the net new things the NFL is throwing at us. They put out some, you know, a litany of new rules and some rules that got tabled. We'll talk about some of those that maybe maybe piqued our interest. But Brandon, as we lead out for this one, I do have a question for you. In fact, in fact, I have a a pop quiz for you. Can you guess? What what one rule I actually wanted to see here? What's the one rule I really actually wanted to see, but it's nowhere in sight? I well, I have it listed as my number one out. So, you know, we could we could start with the outs and get it out of the way right away. But there is a rule that I think you and me and Seahawks fans and fans of other teams, they wanted to see as part of this. I feel like it's a rule that's been teased every single offseason. And I was kind of hoping to see it among this group of new rules. And it wasn't even among the rules that were tabled. This is what I'm talking about. This is why we smash through tables. You know, kick, go kick rocks, Bill, Bill's Mafia. This is our show today. But this is what I mean by being a nonconformist within the conformity of new rules. I think, you're, I think you're at it. So I'll let you finish the thought. Why don't we just run to that out? Just take it. Like, come on, NFL. How do you, how do you put all these things out? And don't address the number one thing we actually want to see and feel and be passionate about, Brandon. I know you're on it, so take it away. Well, and part of the show, right? Three in, three out. When we win, we start with an in. And because this rule wasn't among the rules, I feel like it was a loss for Seahawks fans. And so let's kick it off with the first out, the helmet rule. The the rule that allows the Seahawks fans to, to see those old throwback uniforms with the gray helmets. Clinton is is flashing his throwback Seahawks shirt. And even though we're doing an audio program, only I get to see it. But yes, it means they can't go back to those gray helmets and those old school classic uniforms. There's there's other fans like the Browns, the Falcons, the Eagles that have this issue, too. So they it's not just Seahawks fans who are left out when the helmet rule is not addressed. And so to have that not there to confine teams to only wearing one helmet, which is a weird rule anyway, right, Clinton? I mean, it's stupid. There's teams (laughs) that are changing their helmets for 2021. So they're going to have a new helmet starting the new year. So, you know, if, if they can just change helmets and you have to wear a brand new helmet for the start of the season, it's not like, you know, I, I have no understanding of the reasoning behind having only one helmet. I I don't I just and I never got it. It's just one of those things. It's it is the, you know, it is the uh, the, the the Tom Hanks uh, and Big when he's holding up the, the the skyscraper robot and he's like, I don't get it. Like this this toy is horrible. It's it's the I don't get it moment of the offseason when it comes to rule changes because what what 
freaking harm could it possibly be to allow NFL teams to basically, even if it was one, to go back to the throwback helmets so they can go back to the throwback jerseys. And oh, by the way, what a moneymaker they're leaving on the table. How many Metcalf jerseys in royal blue or Russell Wilson jerseys in royal blue? Or I know, that, I know some people won't, won't want to hear this, but how about a creamsicle Tom Brady jersey? How many of those would freaking sell and sell out so quickly? Heck, you can make NFTs out of them. People would buy those too. But as, as much as a money machine and they, they print their own money with the NFL, I don't get it. I've never seen an explanation that's, that's near satisfactory. I've never seen an explanation, Brandon. It's like, what harm could it possibly be? Will people be confused like, you know, for an entire game that they swapped helmet? It went from you know, blue to gray. You know, Ryan in the chat brings up a good point, too, that why not just wear the throwback jerseys, bring the throwback jerseys back and wear them with the normal helmets. If it's the, if it's that stringent that they can't do two helmets, then why not just rock the regular helmets? And yeah, you might not. I guess you could just put the new decals and they'll be on the, the darker color blue. And, and we can, you know, the blues don't match, but at least you get the throwback jerseys out of the deal. I'd be fine with it. I'd be OK with it. It wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't not, have quite the right look, but I'd be okay right, with it. Right. It's not, you know, you're not getting the Sunday with, with the sprinkles and the cherry and the chopped nuts, but you're still getting the Sunday. You know, you're still getting you're still getting the jersey. And it's it's because of the stupid cherry on top of the helmet that we can't do the jersey, or we're not willing to do the jersey. So I'm okay. You know, if, if you buy a good gallon of or a half gallon or whatever they make it nowadays of ice cream, so you get yourself a nice Briar's Snickers. That's a pretty, that's a pretty choice uh, ice cream there. You don't really need too many toppings, Brandon. You could just you could just dive it's right already in. in. It's can, right in the ice cream. It's whipped right in there, and the, and that is our throwback jerseys. And man, oh man, would it just be would it be a thing of beauty to see to see those royal blues flying out there? I don't care. One, hey, we wear action green at least once a year. I, I know that's the same color as the green in the in the in the eye of the Seahawk, but you know, Lord Almighty, like if we could do that, then we certainly could wear the blues. Yeah, you got the gray uniforms with the blue helmets. Yeah, sure, it can be done. Let's move on to our first in. It could be done. Okay, we'll move. We'll move on. So we'll, we'll stop. We'll stop that part of it. Okay. So let let me let me see which one which one I liked I liked most here. Again, some of them were a little bit. I uh, don't don't really care too much, but a couple were pretty cool. In fact, I'm looking at most of these. Okay, I'll give one that I guess I guess is my in, but I also have a bit of a you know old man you know uh, shakes his fist at a cloud type moment here. So one of the rules that I looked at was. They are changing how many people can be basically on a kickoff, how many people on the receiving team can be kind of like in the box, if you will, mm -hmm. like how many people can be stuffed towards the, the ball itself. And they're limiting saying now you can only have a maximum of nine people, meaning you'd have to have at least two back. Uh, last year, you could stuff basically as many as you wanted to in there. So, so teams would put a 10th guy in there. I mean, I guess they could have put an 11th guy in there if they wanted to as well. But the purpose of this, I think it's a benefit. It's better than it was last year. But the purpose of it, Brandon, is to, is to basically make onside kicks more exciting. So while I think that's an improvement, you could probably see where the cynicism in me and the sarcasm is coming that it's, I still feel like there's, if they really want to improve onside kicks, maybe there's something they could do or erase from recent history. I, I can see that this to me, it seems like a good next step tweak. Like, OK, let's not let's not turn the volume all the way up to 12. Let's let's just click it from 10 to 11 and see if this makes any changes in terms of the onside kick, because what was it? 
I think they said some kind of crazy statistic, like three onside kicks were recovered last season. It was, and that was way down from historic levels. And you want your team to be able to, you know, attempt to get back into a game sometime to make it exciting, at least have that percentage chance. And I felt like every time a team was lining up for an onside kick, it was like, okay, well, they're just going to end up recovering. And so this, this gives it, at least the intent of it is to give the kicking team a little bit more of a chance for recovery. I see. I thought the cynicism part of this was you were going to say was, well, if you're already demolishing a team anyway, why do, why do they need a chance to really get back in it? If they're that, you know, if they deserve to win, then get back in it the regular way. Sure. I, I hear that. But, and with that, you know, when you're floating about 10% chance, like, you know, it's, it's at least these, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? There, there's something there where obviously us Seahawks fans, we know all about, an onside kick being successful in a big moment to to turn the game on its head, right? So, I mean, Christ, the, the NFC Championship game was what came down to came down to one of those moments. So, if that that rule was in existence, we don't win that game like, flat out. There's no way we recovered that ball. Well, let's snake this back around, and why don't you go to your first out? Okay, so there's there's you know, I I don't I'm not a guy for rules, especially rule changes. But the one I the one I think is potentially is the most harmful is the concept that the what I'm looking at is that the replay officials can now basically the the skybox replay officials not not the folks on you know not the folks in the field they can now weigh in uh, and by that it's like they can't make a judgment call but if a play is not being reviewed so not a reviewable play it's not under review they can still get in the ref's ears essentially and say hey really ought to take a look at that is, is what that kind of breaks down to me with this new rule. Um, quickly for me, Brandon, I just feel like it's going to muddy the waters that much more. Or like, when will they interject? When won't they interject? And it just feels like it becomes that much more confusing as to should you throw the challenge flag? Should you wait for the, the you know, the sky whisperer to come down and say something to the officials? It just, it doesn't seem solid. And for that reason alone, I just I don't like the way it's trending. Yeah, it almost as if this one doesn't go far enough, right? People calling for a sky judge. I think a sky whisperer is a good term. It's <laughs> you're, and that's the thing. We're probably never going to know if right. the sky whisperer is in fact <laughs> in the ear of the officials on the field. And I guess that can maybe be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. I, I do like transparency. That was one of the cool things. I think it was the AFL that the, the as XFL, I think, that did that. one of the yeah. two. They introduced yeah, yeah. The, the they they had it. It was completely transparent. They put it on TV. They broadcast what the officials were saying to each other. And that was kind of neat. I, I would like to see the NFL go to that. But I, I feel like, again, this is one of those situations where they're taking that volume knob. They're not. They just want to turn it a little bit, give it a yeah. little extra volume and see because they don't want to go overboard. Yeah. And playing this like non-committal tennis, I've, I've shared this analogy before, played tennis in uh, my early, early high school. And the, my coach was like, you either go to the net or you stay at the baseline. Like if you get, get lost in, in the, in the la la land there, any decent player is going to just, just have, you know, eat your lunch. And these, these little, little half steps feel 
like we're just, you know, going into the into the muddy waters there where we'll be screaming for our tax a little bit later to, to come on out. And, and lo and behold, our tax is dead and we got to, you know, mosey on and find the big rock guy. It's not going to be a great journey is what I'm saying here, Brandon. So I'm not in favor of these half step measures. If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. If you want the sky, God, don't be a sky whisperer. Um, I don't love it in general, but if you're going to do it, then go to the point where that it can be like an overruling body because at the end of the day, if it's like, it's about getting it right, if that's your thing and that's absolutely what it is, then go, then go to 11, go to 12 and get the sky God in place. This is going to just cause issues. They say it's, oh, it's only objective. You know, it's not objective, a human being. So one sky whisperer would be like, oh, I'm going to stay quiet where the next one's going to be like, I'm going to interject every third play. That's going to be different. And it's going to, it's going to, we might not even know about it, but it's going to cause a cascade of, I think, stupidness. And maybe in a way then that turns out to be a good thing because they didn't want to go as far to give the sky judge God powers of the actual officials. They wanted to, them to be, you know, the, the sub officials. And so if the head official thinks that the, the sky whisperer is a little bit too chirpy, then he can, you know, drown some of that stuff out. Whereas it really needs to be only when there's something important. And and the things that I think are most important are when people watching on TV see a blatant penalty and it doesn't even get addressed. And, and that's what I feel like those people are there to fix. So that everybody watching who knows it's a penalty, that they can somehow get word to the officials to say, hey, you know, this is pretty obvious to the viewers. But real quickly on that, the things that I saw listed, was that even on the punch list of things that they're they're supposed to chime in on? I saw things like possession or a drop pass or not a drop pass because calling penalties is unto itself a subjective thing. Uh, yes, there are rules, of course, and sometimes they just get flat out thrown out the window or, or penalties just get missed. However, there's still subjectivity, especially in things like PI. So does it even canvas that? Is it, is it meant to canvas penalties? I don't know if it's meant to, but I feel like it can, right? <laughs> I feel like you want it to. <laughs> well, just think about the the New Orleans game against the Rams, oh, where it was just the know, blatant pass interference that, and and yes, you're right. It's not one of the things that are on there. It's ball possession. It's complete or incomplete pass, touching of loose ball, or you know, being out, going out of bounds, spotting the ball with relation to the sideline, or being down by contact. So. Yeah, that's it's not one of those, but I feel like it could be. And it might and it may evolve there, right? So well, we've been through a couple so far. I know we're I know we're crossing the 15 minute mark. Don't know if you want to take it in or if we want to go go to the live wire there and bring some folks in through the locker room app, but dealer's choice. You you take it away, Brandon. Well, Clinton, before we move on to the next item, I want to let people know they can follow you on Twitter at Clinton Bond. You can follow me at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. And of course, if you want to become a member of the flock, you can go to getintheflock.com. You can join our Facebook Ring of Honor group. You can join our Discord. And I'm sure we'll be hanging out on the Discord over the draft weekend talking about the picks. So something to look forward to for our members of the flock. And I'm going to have my next in coming up after the break. One of these rules, again, some of these are just... They make sense. You kind of wonder why they haven't done it before. And this is a, a rule to something we don't see a whole lot. And that is a second forward pass. And in the past, 
if you you throw one forward pass and then the the receiver who catches it decides to throw it from behind the line of scrimmage to another player, then it's a penalty of five yards. But then you get to replay the down, which it, it doesn't feel like it's uh, enough of a penalty because it's so obvious that you shouldn't be able to throw a pass twice. Right. There should be more of a punishment. And, and they fix that this year with a rule change and that they add a loss of down. So if it's third down, you throw the ball to the wide receiver. It's a forward pass. Maybe the receiver doesn't think it, you know, maybe it was supposed to be a lateral or, you know, behind the line type thing. And then the receiver throws a pass and it's completed. Then you go back five yards and you move to fourth down rather than getting another go at the third down. Yeah, I think that, I think it's very uh, analogous to, uh, you know, intentional grounding, right? It's like, and, and while the intentional get grounding by its very definition is intentional to avoid a sack, but the big the big penalty is the loss of down, right? That's huge. That that and that happens quite often. This happens a lot less, however, and it might be uh, you know um, non intentional. You just didn't realize uh, that you were you were over the line when you when you first received the ball. But but you're right because there's there's really no penalty there, or very very it's very very small penalty uh, to be able to kind of just five yards and get get another go at it. So I'm good with it. I think it's doesn't happen all that often. I think it's a more appropriate um, punishment for when it will happen. And uh, I don't think it's going to take away any uh, malintent. I think it's really, I think this, I mean, hey, the, a second forward pass in football is probably like, you know, rule number one that was etched in stone when football, like, hey, you can't do that twice. You know, like, you know, they, this game's pretty hard. They were hesitant to even, even allow it once to start <laughs> right, off with, with football. Correct. <laughs> correct. It was like, yeah, what, what are you doing with that thing? You must retain that at all times. Like. In the air? Hold on. So to your point, that's kind of a, you know, a set in stone thing. I, I don't know. Maybe it happens a couple of times per season. Sure. Yeah, I've seen that, it very rarely, but to, to only equate it to about the same thing as a false start, right. which you're, you're getting a chance to attempt a play. And so like withholding, you know, at least it comes back 10 yards like that. And, and so now I think it puts it in a, in a higher category to me. It makes sense. No, it's just it's a it's a fine rule and one that I think most people are like, OK, it's going to happen a little bit. And then, like we said, a bit, it's a bit more it's a it's a more righteous punishment for doing that because, hey, you can't throw it forward twice. It's just that's that's the rule. So I'm, I'm OK with that. All right. Well, why don't I move on to my final out? Sure. And I'll say this is a weird one. It and the, the reason why this is weird is because I haven't seen it explained super well as to what this even means. The rule change is ensure the enforcement of all penalties committed by either team on extra point slash two point conversion attempts. And I can tell you what I think this means. I think it means that if there's a penalty that happens when you're trying the extra point, it automatically accepts those, I think. Or I don't know. And that's if you're going to change a rule, I feel like I should know what exactly it means. Yeah, I mean the rules, like you know, with the rule that the rule that, as it was explained in the articles, is only like a paragraph long, which is fine. Honestly, a rule shouldn't be much, much longer than that. This is not like a United Nations uh, decree here, right? And I read it, and then I reread it, and then I, I kind of went back to it. I'm like, I don't know exactly when you wouldn't just take the penalty. Like that was the part that I was like, I didn't get that. It's like, okay, if someone was offsides when you're kicking a, a field goal or whatever it might be, like they run into your kicker. It's always like that's going to be assessed on the kickoff. So I, I was very, when does that even come into play? It just it was muddy for me. 
Yeah, if it's a, on a two-point conversion attempt, if the defense is offside, then you, you get half the distance to the goal line. Again, I don't know why you would need to ensure the enforcement of it. I don't, yeah. I, I don't understand. The, the wording of it is confusing to me. If a team wanted the option to not enforce it, then why not give it to them? But in, unless it's something that speeds up the game, I, I have, again, I have no clue. And I've looked yeah. at a couple different websites that said that this is a rule change. And it's not explained well. So it's an out. Yeah, I, I'm I'm good with it sticking as an out too, because it just it just doesn't I like we're talking about it for a bit here. There's there's no there's no clarity around what what that means. And I and I think someone probably could be like, oh, here's an example of why that's in state. And like, oh, okay, and the light bulb will go on and be like, okay, I guess that makes sense, but we don't have that yet. So I guess if any of the listeners out there too know it a bit better. We'd love for them to just, uh, you know, th- th- comment later, send us a tweet, whatever it might be, to hit us up on Facebook and all the other other areas we're always hanging out and be like, hey, dum-dums, <laughs> this is what they mean by that. And that's totally fine. But as of right now, head scratcher for me too, Brandon. Yeah, we're, we're probably being dum-dums in this situation, but I, I, I want more clarity and it just wasn't in there. Yeah, well, I, I can promise the listeners this. It won't be the last time. So that's, that's, that's A-OK. And I, so I think that leaves me with, uh, with an in. You is get that the correct? final in. Okay, so the the final in is is going to be a bit. You know, we're going to go the reverse. The reverse. We started with an out, right? Which means we we end with an in. Usually, when the Seahawks win win a game, we'll end with an out. But we always kind of figure out a way to snake our way back into talking about something actually positive. We're going to just do the old Benjamin Button here and and flip the script. I'm going to talk about a, a proposed thing by the NFL that was proposed by the Buffalo Bills that I think would be a smart thing and would be an in. However, it was tabled. So I, I, I want to address it because I think it's good and I think, I think it'll eventually happen, but it was tabled. So it, it's, it's, an in that's, it, it's an in that's on the table and it's, it's an out because right now it was tabled. But That's very but confusing. The, but, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> as confusing as the, as the last rule. This is, this is the last thing this, that Clinton wanted to talk about, so it lands <laughs> in this spot. Yeah, I mean, hey, this is six different things about NFL rule changes that are on the fringes to begin with. So bear, <laughs> bear with us, people. We're, we're a week out from the draft, for crying out loud. So, But the Buffalo Bills, which I do have a comment about that because I think that's kind of funny, but the Buffalo Bills, they put out an idea just saying, hey, when you go to you know interview your general manager and your head coaching positions, let's wait until after the championship round of the playoffs so that basically you're not preventing hires who are basically being punished because they're successful. So the person people gravitate towards to explain this right now is Eric Bieniemy, right? So like Eric Bieniemy almost certainly would have been picked up for a head coaching position. However, the teams that need a head coach are feeling the pressure to kind of get their guy and if not their guys to still get a good head coach before the Super Bowl happens. So a guy like Eric Bieniemy with all these qualifications misses out on a ton of chances to be potentially hired because his team went to the Super Bowl two years in a row. Um, so Buffalo says, this is pretty stupid. We should, we should rethink this. I think Buffalo is right. This should be rethought. The NFL thought that we're stupid and said, you know, go kick rocks. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> well, they said, we'll talk about it later. And I think they said kick rocks. <laughs> I think it would be, it would make a whole lot of sense too, because I just think that when a team so many of these teams who have coaches, we've seen it with the Seahawks too, right? Where they're in the playoffs. There's other teams who are talking about, ooh, we'd really like to interview this guy, but they're trying to prepare for a game coming up and a playoff game. So you're getting into the critically important times of the season. And 
I mean, I don't know how much time it takes out of the day for these guys to do their interviews, but, you know, it could potentially take away from time that they would spend otherwise preparing for an upcoming playoff game. So it makes a ton of sense to say, hey, let's wait for all the hiring stuff. We put it off until after the playoffs and then, you know, it's fair game for everybody. Yeah. And and your point about how much preparation would they put in? These are, I mean, come on, these types of dudes who end up elevating to head coaches in the NFL, they are hyper competitive. They're pretty much their entire career. A lot of them were, were former ball players, very, very competitive. And their work ethic and how they prepare for things is at least partly why they are where they are. Um, so if if a gentleman like Eric Bieniemy had an opportunity to be like a head coach of, of an organization, you know, I'd bet my bottom dollar he would spend the right amount of time understanding who he's about to interview with and take that very seriously if he indeed wanted a chance at that job. Otherwise, he wouldn't take the interview. So, and that is, you know, many, many things are not uh, zero sum in life. People complain about things like love or money, like, oh, this person has more than this. Hey, those things are actually not zero sum. However, time is the, the most thing in life that, that is, in fact, zero sum. So, I would love for them to evolve this forward so that these successful teams just have an opportunity to shed these guys. And I think it's kind of ironic that now the Buffalo Bills are getting into in a position where they should be good for a number of years, that now they want this. But it, I think it's almost like a sentiment that they want their dudes to have an opportunity because I think they expect to go on a bit of a run here where they should be going deep into the playoffs, at least for a couple of years. And I can also see why the NFL would be interested because it does, it helps maintain that balance among teams that they're always looking, you know, the draft is set up in a way that, you know, the bad teams have an opportunity to get better. And this is another way for bad teams to have the opportunity to get better because they'll be able to take on some of those coaches that then helped just take a team to the Super Bowl. And usually it seems like teams, they want to kind of have things figured out before the Super Bowl. This would at least say, hey, everybody has to wait. This is just the way it is. You're going to have to deal with it. And I believe they were only talking about GM and head coach is, is the way I read the rule, right? right. So, I mean, that, that's all your assistants, all your coordinators. There's so many other positions, especially if you're kind of like in a regime change kind of year. Um, however, I do understand that you really got to wait for, the, for the, 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 the big toe to drop, right? If you're after a head coach, you're not going to hire the other stuff because the head coach is going to want to bring, uh, bring his folks with him. So, uh, but, but I would just like to see it happen. It, and, and I think it will happen. So it's, it's one of those things. It's kind of like uh, we talked about last time, Tim Brown not being a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, what, when we all knew Tim Brown was a Hall of Famer. And, he, and it took a long, long time for him to get in because it's hard for a wide receiver. Hopefully, this is something like that where it's like now that it's on the table, it's just common sense. And it's very fair. It's also that it doesn't hurt anybody. It just makes it a level playing ground for all the teams to wait to a certain point for the starting gun to start a little bit later. We are recording live via the Locker Room app, which means we can bring in some folks to join the discussion. Ryan Peterson, one of those folks who is the first one in. Ryan, there's a lot of rules that we talked about. There's even some that we didn't talk about, namely the jersey number changes. But this this is open to you, Ryan. What do you want to talk about? Hey, guys. Um... I just had a quick question, I guess. Has the NFL, okay, so I guess the helmet rule and the kickoff rule were both for player safety. Um, my question is, has the NFL released any statistics that show that either one of those rules has had any effect on injuries? Not that I know of, because, yeah, the, the helmet rule, I think it was a 2013 rule 
that came into effect. And it was, it did have to do with player safety. It was a player safety advisory panel. It was a head, neck, and spine committee. There should be data out there by now that either, and then they made so many other changes, it might be hard to quantify that now with all the other changes. Clinton? I, I do have to say, I, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm a tad, I promised you earlier, it won't be the last time, I'm a, I'm a tad confused. So when we say the helmet rule, are we talking about the second helmet that we, from earlier that we want the throwback, the throwback decal, the throwback colors? Or are we talking about something different with the helmet rule? I, I meant I meant the one helmet rule, the rule that would prevent us from having a second helmet to going to the the full throwback jersey. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I guess my point is, and thank you for the question, Ryan. And, and dude, always always awesome hanging out with you on Facebook and seeing you out there. By the way, in the Seahawkers <laughs> Ring of Honor, uh, this is this is a, a member of the flock we're talking to. So we got we got to treat him with with the reverence that he deserves. And I love that you that, think that, but it's not true. <laughs> awesome well i think i do think it's true and the perception perception is my reality my man so it's all good but the thing is too like when we talk about player safety it's not like if they go back to the gray helmets that they're taking the 1992 helmet off of the shelf you know and be like oh this was paul skanskis go get that thing go get that old rydell bastard right and dust it off like <laughs> No, they they would put a modern helmet with the most modern new safety technology and the paint job would be different. So if the NASCAR car, you know, if it goes from a Lowe's car to a Home Depot car, the NASCAR, but all the safety is updated. It's not like they're sitting in a 1970s NASCAR car. So I, I'm just really confused how they could pretend to stuff it under safety. That just is I want to call BS on that is what I want to do. I don't, I don't disagree. I, it might be neat to go to a, like a leather helmet just for a game, just to see. Let's see what, let's see what happens. <laughs> well, right. listen, I, I know, I know a couple things about, about leather helmets. Number one, what's that movie where they, where they kill all the bugs, where they're destroying the bugs? Oh, Starship Troopers, right? So they play that wonderful game of like a, of a modern football in that game and they're rocking red leather helmets. I, be, I believe if they actually wanted to take back neck injuries, they would stop putting gigantic rocks on people's heads and, and allowing people to tackle each other. You could take a modern helmet and put little padding on the outside of the helmet, a little bit of padding on the outside of the helmet. You probably decrease injuries a lot if you did it that way. So I, I actually think if they went to leather helmets, you'd see a heck of a lot less injuries. It's a hot take, folks. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, big thanks to Ryan for coming in. Let's bring in Josh. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up, Josh? Nothing. So I uh, just want to say how we doing. And um, we just had a uh, locker room mock draft here. Oh, nice. Um, all 32 teams were represented. Um, who did we get? Who did we draft. get, Josh? Wait, you that's didn't just do was, first that, round, did you? Uh, we did first and second round. Okay. So, so, that's what I, so we got a pick. Phew. So you got a pick. In. Uh, you actually ended up. Trading out of your first overall pick. No, <laughs> no. We traded back for more picks. So it makes all the sense. Uh, yes. So, and, and, you know, not a bad trade either. You traded back from 56. You moved down to uh, number 61, gained a fourth, 117 overall. And sitting there for you guys at, at 61, Quinn Miners. All right. Our, our future starting center, Quinn Miners. And and Josh, he's the one that 
he's the big mean, the meanie, right? That came in and he's, he's, he's kind of, t- he took the, uh, what the senior, the senior, he was at by the storm senior bowl. And, yeah. Yeah. And took exactly. that by storm and really, really turned a lot of heads. So, Hey, I, I 56 to 61 to go get a fourth. Uh, as long as we don't take a wide receiver with that fourth round, I'm giving that, I'm giving that a thumbs up. Yeah. So I thought it was a good move. Uh, I liked Quinn Miners a lot. I, I represent, I covered the bucks. So I was representing the bucks. I was actually able to move down out of the first round and grab Landon Dickerson. I think that, like pick 51, 48 or 49 or 51, something like that. So, uh, Creed Humphreys went shortly after that. So we get Miners in the second, uh, late, that late in the second, I thought it was a pretty good pickup for, for the Seahawks. And Miners is a small school guy. The Seahawks traditionally have not gone with some of those small school guys, but they do like senior bowl standouts. So Miners makes a lot of sense. He was somebody that I talked with EJ Snyder with on the last episode of the field goals podcast. And I'm, I am curious though, Josh, if you have the list there in front of you, were there any tackles that went off the board either after the 56th pick or after the Seahawks pick that are notable? No, most of the tackles were, were taken beforehand. Uh, uh, Jackson Carmen was already off the board. Brady Christensen was off the board. Eichenberg was off the board. Mm-hmm. Walker Little was off the board. So there was really nobody there unless you want to kind of get like a project guy. Sam Cosme was long off the board. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, the other name I was going to ask about. Yeah. And then when I listened in, when I listened into the uh, most recent field goals podcast there with, with EJ, that was that was fascinating to me, Brandon, that there was that there is so much tackle depth and it's and it's you know, there's two things there, right? It's like, okay, we know Dwayne Brown is, is coming up on his last year, as you guys talked about. But also Snell, like while while he was well, Shell. Shell, sorry, not not, yeah. not Snell. Shell, while he was he was good, a very, I think a nice, a nice surprise and probably overperformed. It's it, but it's not like a huge body of work. It's not like a huge position of confidence to say that Shell is absolutely in a you know a really solid right tackle for us, and we just don't have to worry about it. I hope that's the case. I think he showed enough in about the 12, 12 games or so that he played, and there was a huge, huge depreciation when he was not on the field. That was very, very evident, which was a bigger, bigger delta to say, you know what, he's actually playing playing lights out because when he's there, we're a lot better. And with that, it was still like, man, if there's such if there's such talent at tackle, maybe maybe it is the right time for us to go get that left or right tackle of the future. I, I do apologize. Jackson Carmen was still on the board at 56. Okay. But well, I mean, to get the fourth round pick, get Quinn Miners, I think it's still a good move. Yeah, I, for, I think that's the, that, yeah. that's still a pretty good move. And I think it's close to reality for what the Seahawks are going to do. It, it, I'm going to, I will be a little surprised if they stay put, unless it's for somebody who happens to be falling down the draft board that they just, they have to stay put and take. Yeah, I just, I see them trading out of that pick. Yeah, there are some pretty uh, pretty big names that fell. Uh, I think Zayvon Collins went at 40. Jason Awea went at 37. Uh, Travis Etienne lasted to 50 at Miami's second second round pick. Another, uh, I, I snagged Joseph Osai at 54. Uh, so there were some names that kind of fell down the board. It's really going to be this this draft is going to be so interesting to see who goes where because I think. And you guys probably know covering it, looking at it, talking to people. There's just so much volatility with these big boards and where plays could end up. It's uh, it's really interesting to see some of these names in this draft who I consider first round, first round guys, to fall to the middle of the second round. It's, it was it was insane. I think it's gonna be a really fun one for there's there's more, like, there's more variables than I think possibly ever. 
you know, just give, given all the other drafts that came before. Even compared with, to last year, which. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It's it just, just so many people just not, not participating or they played half a season, just, just a ton of that. Or their entire conference sat out to the very end of the year type thing. There's, there's a lot of that. And I'm also interested no to know. Uh, yeah. The, no, yeah, no combine. Exactly. Very, very, very hard to hard versus the traditional way of getting a pulse for your kind of players. Uh, one player that I've, I've really liked and, and uh, I've followed Clemson for quite a while. Like this is back to the Chester McLaughlin death Valley days. I was kind of a Clemson fanboy. <laughs> so really looking at uh, Amari Rogers and just, I want that kind of third wide receiver so, so badly for this team. And you might get a great special teamer with him as well. Where, where yeah. did uh, Rogers go in the, in the mock? Rogers actually did not come off the board. Uh, the last one, just the first two rounds. All oh, right, correct. Yes. Okay, the first was, two. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was the last receiver pick. Uh, him and De'Ami Brown. So Rogers is still there in the third. I like Rogers a lot. Uh, great slot guy can return. I, I'm really high on him as well. There was a time where he was considered like a you know fifth, maybe even a sixth type round guy. I think he's worked his way salt worked his way solidly into at least the third round. But again, I mean, where is he on other people's boards? It's going to be, it's going to be uh, really going to be for other listens, you, reasons you listed. It's going to be interesting to see where these guys are. I mean, risers and fallers, it looked like Davion Nixon would be a first round pick. Mel Kuyper the other day on a, on a press conference with the media was said he's going to be a third or a fourth round pick. Jamin Davis started as a third, fourth round pick, and he's potentially a first round pick. So it, it's just crazy to see where these guys, I mean, Kyle Trask too. People had him in the first round, and now he's a third, fourth round guy. It, it's it's going to be really crazy to see where all these prospects truly end up. And I think, uh, other than like the top ten or so, and even that's got a lot of volatility. You really don't know. The rest of the draft is a complete wash, especially once you get into the second, third, fourth rounds and later. I mean, hey man, pick three. Once we get to pick three. It, to knows? me, it's wide yeah. open. You can do <laughs> yeah. all the mock drafts you want, and you yeah. know, the guys, you know, it could, it, it'll totally change it. Yeah, pick pick three is going to be. And for as being Seahawks fans, of course, we're going to be sitting there going. Now, now, Brandon, is there a particular is there a particular QB that you don't want the Niners to take? Let's say the first two go the way the first two are are meant to, are, are are being called. They're going to go. So Wilson's gone, and of course, of course, Lawrence is gone. Is there the dude you're like? I don't want the Niners to get this guy. I, I think Fields probably is that guy for me, but at the same time, how this works, the fact that it's an easy pick for number one, it's a pretty easy pick who's going to go number two, that there's that much disparity, that there's not really much question of of who's going to go one or two. That means there's a, a pretty significant drop off. Yeah. And, and I think what's interesting, too, is like that the news already came out that the Niners have basically made their selection, right? That it's. It's set in stone. They know who they want, which kind of actually scares me a little bit, to be honest. That's a little bit like uh, I think I, they had to have had a pretty good idea to give up two oh, first sure. round picks, though. No, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I for me, Fields is obviously a dang good athlete. Uh, I, I don't watch that much college football, but the games I did watch, which which go towards the end of the year, you know, I was like, OK, he, he looks really good and he looks a little inaccurate. Like he just doesn't seem to be that accurate of a passer. So. I don't know. I, I I'm okay if they take Fields. I think I think he's got a lot, a lot to still uh, still still learn. And if they do that and they, you know, make it make an immediate switch versus Jimmy G, I think they're taking a step back with that guy. Uh, at least year one. Yeah. At least year one. And so I, who are you worried think, about? So actually, I'm more worried about. I think I'm more worried about Lance. Um, and at the at the 
the other side of it too, listening to Chris Sims uh, go on a Joe Fans podcast, he was so into Jones, right? He mm-hmm. was so like, hey, hey, this, and saying that he's he is ready to go right now. That to me is actually getting getting me a bit fearful that it's like, okay, he might not be the most talented dude. And if you bring in a guy that is like NFL ready right now on a, on a team that it's actually pretty darn good, it could spell more pain for us this year. And, and, and when I look at the Seahawks through the prism of, are we in a win now situation? I think we absolutely are. So that's the move that I'm like probably most fearful of actually is, is them taking Jones. Cause I think it makes them the best team for 2021 and that's not good for us. Well, Clinton, we're closing in on the end of this episode, and I'm surprised we've made it this far through. There's one of these rule changes that I feel like was talked about maybe more than it needed to be. The jersey number changes. There's going to be changes to the jersey numbers, and, and that was not, uh, it didn't make it to our list. And maybe that's, you know, the common three in, three out. It's not in the nooks and crannies. It's, this has been well discussed. And and it, and the funniest part for me about that quickly is um, that the NFL, it's like in the sub, the bylines, like the NFL is, if, if you change your number this year, the NFL is making you basically buy out all the jerseys of like, of what you changed from. At so retail. It's like, all right. Yeah at, yeah. at retail. Right. So like, you know, if you're a, if you're a, you know, absolute millionaire and you make this change, well, you, maybe you don't care. Maybe you still do care. That, that might be a lot of jerseys hanging out there and you got to cut a re- really big check. If you're a, a league minimum guy or a rookie, I'm not changing my number this year. Apparently next year, it's, there won't be that, there won't be that, that tax essentially. And you can make a change without the penalty. So I would just wait. So, I, so that's a couple of things where I think there'll be less movement than expected because why would I pay if I just have to wait a year? And then number two, for me, it's also like, all right, whatever they want to wear is, is, is fine by me. And there was a logical reason this year. I think it was the Chiefs, right, Brandon, who kind of like ran out of players. They, they, well, like, they didn't run out of players. They ran out of jerseys. Well, jerseys uh, to, to <laughs> represent the players. Right? They had they two players yeah. wearing the same number jersey at one time on the team. Yes, and I think didn't. one guy was on offense, one guy was on defense. But yes, they they didn't have enough numbers to go around. Right, they didn't have to play Iron Man football in the Super Bowl. <laughs> although at times it looks like their line tried to. So it's a uh, which I think is real quickly, Brendan, to close this out. That trade by the Chiefs to jettison their first round pick to go get I think it's a tackle they got from the Ravens yep. is like to me. Remember when remember when everybody's like we got to give Russ more control, we got to give Russ more say. Well, guess what? At the end of the first round last year, who did Andy Reid call up and say, hey, who do you want to select? Do you remember who that was? Oh, they took uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the Chiefs. And they called up Patrick Mahomes said, hey, which guy do you want? And the, and the story goes, he's like, get, get me Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Mm. Okay, cool. And then the Super Bowl, Edwards-Hilaire is doing nothing because the offensive line is shot to you know what. And then one year later, they're like, yeah, we don't really care what our quarterback says. We're going to trade that pick and go get him some protection. So it's just it's it's just so interesting that you can get all this fanfare and all this hoopla about you got to give these people more say, more say, more say. Yeah, cool. The CEH thing might work out. He wasn't exactly stellar all year. And that basically yanked it away this year and said, no, no, we're just going to get your protection, which is the right thing for the Chiefs to do. Well, you know, if the Chiefs may have gone with picking a, a, you know, a rookie tackle in the draft rather than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, maybe they have another chip. That is exactly correct. And I'm a guy who thinks running backs do matter. I just didn't think it was their that good a pick, it turns out. I like the Orlando Brown trade for them. I know 
the big question was with this draft, I, I just got done talking to EJ Snyder this week about how deep this draft is in tackles. But if you're assessing the draft as the Chiefs and you don't think a guy who can start this year, especially at left tackle, that that guy is going to drop to you where you're currently drafting, then give up that pick. You get Orlando Brown. You can see how he plays out for a year and you you do end up doing some pick swaps too. But I think that they're seeing themselves as being in this win now mode. And it's, it is kind of something that I think we've seen from the Seahawks with trading their first round pick. You're, you're trading your most valuable asset to try and continue to be in win now mode. And sometimes those trades work out. It seems like more often they don't, but a lot of times those dudes at the end of the first round aren't panning out either. Yeah. And they're, and they are exciting, right? So when you trade for Percy Harvin, when you trade for Jimmy Graham, when you, when you do those types of things, Hey, they're exciting. They get, it gives us something to talk about in this off season and talking about something to talk about a little Bonnie Raitt style. We do got the draft coming right up. So what, what are your plans for the draft there, Brendan? Oh, I am. I'm going to be watching some of the, the bootleg football, EJ Snyder doing the, the live stream. And I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll see what else comes up. I think we are planning four field goals that EJ is going to come on after the pick so we can make some live announcements. And Clinton, uh, before we get on out of here, we got Dustin Mock who's coming in to, uh, Very nice. to, Very nice. to ask a question. How are you doing, Dustin? Sure. What's up, Dustin? Uh, I just wanted to, res- uh, I don't know, kind of add on uh, for the Niners third pick. I re- I'm sitting over here praying and giving all my energy to them picking Mac Jones. I feel like that guy's just going to be Jimmy G. Again, I guess but not as handsome, <laughs> yeah. not as handsome, Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just uh, wanting to run targeted Facebook ads about how great. Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I like I it. I love it. Dustin, Dustin, helping close out the show by sending bad vibes toward the 49ers. I love it. Yeah, there's no no better way than if, you, if you're going to put some bad juju into the into the multiverse, then let it go directly to to the hated 49ers. I love it, too, Dustin. And I think with that, Clinton, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.